This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price, because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash PCPer and enter code PCPer. Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 375 being recorded on November 11th, 2015. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Sebastian Peake. Uh, guys, I don't know if you knew this. <laughs> I don't know if What's you knew that, this. Ryan? We might have known this. Uh, we are only two months away from the completion of CES 2016. Did you no, know that? You mean the beginning. <laughs> no. CES. No. Now I mean the end of CES. We will all be back home uh, post-Las Vegas crap uh, CES drama uh, by this time, two months from now, I believe, right? Because I don't, I don't know if I like you making light of our industry's biggest event, Ryan. It's crappy. It's real shitty. Uh, yeah, he's not making light of it. It's it's a heavy, dark burden. It's that we all have to carry. You know, I, I started looking at schedules for this stuff uh, yesterday. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, yeah, and to get there in the same time frame we usually get there, we have to leave on January second. <sighs> I hate uh, years like this. So like. The every hangovers per- barely started to fade. Uh, exactly. Every person I've ever talked to in this industry says they need to move CES like back a week, like to they the second sometimes. week of January. It's just how the calendar falls. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. Well, then, yeah, never oh, yeah. do it the bad way. Oh yeah, right? I agree. So the the show technically is January sixth to the ninth, uh, but we always get out there at least two or three days early um, because. Everybody wants to be first to announce all of the things that they want to announce. And then I like to get out there one day earlier. I know. And I want to get out there one day before that. So, like, everybody can show up. We get, like, one nice meal as a group. And then it's go F yourself. You're eating McDonald's for the rest of the week. If you're eating. If you eat. (laughs) If you eat. (laughs) So that's what we have to look forward to in the... In the not too distant future. Well, they got to keep moving it up because they don't want to overlap with the Adult Entertainment Expo because it's pretty much the exact same crowd going to it. Yeah, oh, that doesn't even happen anymore. Oh, it's not. No, no it's you not don't even have that. Funny was a week after. It's like it is the week. It's after, not even no. anywhere remotely li- related to CES anymore. You don't even get that joke out of it. Oh yeah, that's sad. Uh, it does make the Venetian a much less crowded <laughs> place to have <laughs> much to less seedy through. place. Yeah. Yeah, it, but it's not, not as good people watching. Fewer sure. people either. coming up to you and saying, are you going to Crystal Canyon's parties? That's right. Oh, <laughs> Can I always, you get us in or I autograph? always went to the Playboy parties, so that's yeah. fine. Could, could you have her sign this for me with something? Mm-hmm. Are you, you know? sure that's supposed to be detachable? In any yeah. place you want to. Um, so, but, so in the meantime, before we celebrate the conclusion of CES, we have to celebrate the build-up to CES, which means uh, lots of stuff going on. I would say a surprising amount of stuff going on in November and December, um, in the, in the build up to CES, it'll it'll be pretty interesting to see uh, how it all unfolds. Just a quick note here: uh, we do record the show on Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. If you're watching this after the fact or you're listening to it after the fact, it's really cool. You can come to pcpro.com/live. You can join us. You can hang out in the chat room. You can watch the live stream. You can see all the stuff we talked about before the show and after the show. Maybe there's outtakes from the middle where cables disconnect and we don't really hear any audio or I don't hear any audio. Stuff like that can sometimes happen. Now, if you need a reminder for when we do that, uh, you can go to pcpro.com slash subscribe. You get this little form here. And when I remember, 
we send out an email to tell you, hey, we're going to do a, a live stream at this time, at this day. Uh, make sure you join us. And uh, we actually will use this forum in the not-too-distant future. We're going to have AMD out here relatively soon. We're going to have uh, Killer Networks out here not too, in the not-too-distant future as well. We're going to have lots of prizes to give away at those events. So definitely want to go to pcpro.com slash subscribe and sign up for that mailing list. Now, let's go ahead and get into some stuff. We're going to get into some goods here. We're going to start with a uh, case review that Lee posted. Uh, Lee is back from his annual month-long vacation to Colorado, which sounds pretty great, I guess. Um, uh, he did a review of the Be Quiet! Exclamation point, Silent Base 600 Mid-Tower Case. Um, Sebastian, you are a resident case guy. Do you have any experience with Be Quiet cases or it really any of their products at this point? I don't. I haven't looked at any of their cases or coolers yet. I looked over this review though, and it's it's kind of your typical uh, present day mid tower. It's real big and spacious on the inside. Yeah. It's got drive cages you can sort of move around or take out if you need more space. There were a few features I liked about it though. Looking at it, it's got first of all, it, it has a three position fan switch, which I think is huge. So you can adjust the fan speeds for the included case fans. It includes intake and exhaust fans out of the box. And it sounded like Lee liked it quite a lot. I was looking at some of his different builds. He went through just about every permutation of a cooler and motherboard install. And that is a big power button. It's a very big power button. How would you miss that? (laughs) I kind of like the outside. It's kind of chunky looking, but Hmm. it looks really sturdy to me. Small children, when they start toddling around. Yeah. May find oh. that button. So, it's true. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, cats might also be an issue um, uh, for said power switch. Just set it, you know, the usual five seconds uh, for shutoff. Although the single touch by default will shut down Windows. We'll do a uh, we'll do a polite shutdown at the very yes. least. <laughs> it looks like it's got air filters on the intakes, which is uh, which is nice. Uh, it's got and, and it has of, insulation on the doors and inside oh, the front panel. And okay. So to keep noise down. It is be quiet after all, Ken points out. Right. Yes. Be quiet, exclamation point. I it's kind of tight once say. it's um, all installed. Yeah. Especially yeah. the drives at the bottom with video cards. I mean, not as bad as I've seen with other things, but it's still tight. Yeah. Yeah, but do you really need airflow? I mean, it sounds <laughs> overrated, right? The right. losers. Just ask that nano. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, do, do we know how much especially to see how much this this would actually it's like 110 with the side window and 109 without okay so it's reasonable it's not like in the budget side of things um for sure but yeah it's right in the middle it's it i would say that because of the insulation the size and the price this would go up against the fractal design uh define r5 right that uh ken i believe recently built a system in uh something like that oh okay yeah. Uh, so that, that's interesting. Like, so we go through a lot of cases here, and I and I feel like um, for me even, and I probably for some of our readers and, and listeners and viewers and all that, um, finding differences in some of these cases can be difficult. Like significant differences, I guess, where you would be able to judge your kind of purchasing decision on. Um, so it it has it is a tough market to stand out in, right? You look at. Uh, Companies that used to exist in this market that were really dominant, like Antec, that are now kind of secondary players. 
And Be Quiet is one of those guys who's very recently into this field, right? So now they're going up against giants like Corsair that have uh, – well, Corsair has like 100 SKUs of cases, I think, at this point. So they've got one for every, every, every person on there. But Lee did like it. Gold Award here. Uh, the only weaknesses is a little bit tight on spacing for the radiator, the larger radiator fan combos. Single 140 intake instead of two, like the Silent Base 800 has, and then no external three and a half inch hard drive bays. But that's probably not something that a whole lot of people are super concerned about. So check that out. That is the Be Quiet Silent Base 600 mid tower case. Uh, what else we have this week? Oh, yeah, I posted this one. Qualcomm. Uh, Qualcomm has been doing this slow, iterative release of information about the Snapdragon 820, their new flagship. Uh, smartphone tablet SOC that will be uh, shipping in, in products in kind of the mid uh, first quarter, second quarter, 2016 timeframe. Uh, they took me up to New York City this week to kind of uh, go through this kind of semi-formal product announcement press conference, uh, and then they had a whole floor of a, of a, of a warehouse building in New York City um, set up in different demo areas, and they, they were trying to demo different areas where these new features and new capabilities of the SOC might be beneficial. They had like a, a stadium arena, they had an outdoor area, they had a, a home office, they had a, a, like, uh, a nighttime scene in New York City for photography, and they kind of walked us through uh, some demos to talk about this stuff. So if you, for those who don't know, the, the Snapdragon 820 is a combination of new technologies, and it's actually pretty interesting because uh, Qualcomm told me this week that this is something they haven't done before. They haven't changed this many parts of their SOC at the same time. So not only are they going to a new process technology, uh, which, by the way, they are using um, uh, the Samsung 16 nanometer FinFET and not the TSMC 14 nanometer. So they're changing process tech, uh, but then now they're going to their first custom core design 64-bit CPU, the Cryo cores. Uh, they're updating the Adreno to a, f- a new class of GPU. It's Adreno 530. Uh, they have a new DSP, digital signal, digital signal processor, and the Hexagon 680, and they even are introducing a new uh, faster modem, the, L- uh, the X12 LTE modem. And they also have 802.11 uh, multi-user MIMO, 802.11 AD, 60 gigahertz. So they're putting a bunch of new technology in this SOC. But uh, something that not just Qualcomm, but a lot of mobile vendors are starting to get into is like, hey, look, core counts and, and core races, much like the megahertz race in the uh, early 2000s, is, is going to kill everybody if that's what we judge everything by. It should be based on capabilities and performance and experience. But that's obviously um, more difficult to measure and quantify than simply, hey, we are, as the slide says, uh, able to perform the same um, with 30% less power than even the Snapdragon 810, right? So that, those are important stats, but then what can you do with all that? So they had like, well, I'll rock through these demos real quick. They had a, the Cat12 modem. Uh, Cat12 is capable of up to 600 megabits per second LTE downstream and 150 megabits uh, LTE upstream, which sounds crazy. It sounds like, okay, well, no carrier supports 600 megabits, so you're not going to be able to get that from somebody. Uh, they do that, they can get that 600 megabits by doing carrier aggregation. Essentially, you have three 200 megabit links that are kind of aggregated. Um, you know, uh, what was it, what would you call that on the desktop? What would you call the like the uh, the linking of two network connections? Teaming. Teaming. Yeah, there you go. They're doing something like that essentially with it, and you could get one data stream through that that's that's kind of teamed together, or you can get 
you know, three applications, their own individual stream if the carrier supports it. Um, but the, this is really going to be taken advantage of once we start to see the unlicensed Spectrum LTE start to take off. This, you know, still using like five gigahertz uh, LTE signals, where they'll really be able to push some of that act, that bandwidth actually to your phone um, in different areas. Like, so the example they had set up here was like, okay, you're in a football stadium with seventy thousand other people. Uh, LTEU allows them to distribute data in a much more efficient manner. The speed lets you download what you're going to download or upload what you're going to upload very quickly and get off the network so that somebody else can can join on. So it kind of would help with congestion in that way. Um, they have Wi-Fi calling, adaptive Wi-Fi calling. Uh, this is the first time that uh, a, a controller, a, a chipset-based Wi-Fi controller <clears throat> or Wi-Fi calling controller, has has been able to monitor the quality of the Wi-Fi and switch back and forth, kind of on demand as is necessary, as opposed to kind of just we sense Wi-Fi, we switch over, and then if your Wi-Fi goes bad, you kind of just drop the call. Uh, this was interesting. They had something called Antenna Boost, uh, which answers the question of Am I holding the phone wrong? Um, which was obviously a problem with which, which was the iPhone five S iPhone four four yeah that? you're holding it wrong so they said there's that's a completely legitimate complaint right so that like when you when you put something as big and and uh, you know kind of meaty for lack of a better term in in between the signal and the antenna it's going to change the impedance of the signal and so this is a actual hardware impedance matching device that changes the impedance to match what is actually incoming. So you get a stronger signal that actually uses less power when it does it at the same time. So they had a demo demonstrating that uh, inside some kind of, uh, they had headphones and basically in tiny Faraday cages with uh, things wrapped around them to emulate uh, human hands. Hopefully they weren't actually human hands. human hands but i, I guess I, I make no promises i didn't i didn't make the demo uh they had seen oh, they only the, use arm they don't use hands uh, ha, ha. funny uh they did scene detection real-time oh. scene detection with the camera uh the idea being that like using machine learning uh you can't really see the the, the tablet here but uh this is uh, uh gary he's holding a, a camera looking at a picture to simulate an environment of a phone sitting on a table with a glass of wine and in real time the device is saying hey there's no people in this photo and there are drinks in this photo and they went through a bunch of demos like that and then you can categorize on the device it's doing all of that locally through heterogeneous computing using dsp gpu cpu it's not using the cloud for it uh you know they talk about the the privacy benefits of that uh you know if, if you want to recognize certain people and stuff that was an interesting demonstration of of compute capability go ahead somebody's gonna say something or hamburgers yeah, or hamburgers. Seems to have hamburger so this was like that. so uh, they had this huge library of photos on the tablet device, right? And he said you can create a new category of what you want it to learn, right? So you're 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 having the machine learn how to create a category. So you pick two pictures of hamburgers and you say those are hamburgers. Categorize hamburger and then go find all the hamburgers in my collection of photographs. And these, this is the result. Like, of all the photographs on the device, these are the ones that match that. Uh, that obviously, eats a lot of hamburgers, and he takes yeah. a lot of hamburger right. selfies. You take a lot of hamburger. You t- people take a lot of food pics, right? And this is going to help them categorize their food pics for Look better distribution. Look what I am going to digest and crap out my... <laughs> yeah. 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 That's yeah. what I like to look at. Yeah. Uh, MU MIMO, Sebastian, you've talked about this several times. 
with us a good demonstration of that. They had the 60 gigahertz 802.11ad, which is useful for wireless uh, docking and stuff that has a good line of sight. They had wireless charging demo. Uh, they had GPU demos. They were showing UE4 running on the new Adreno. It was pretty impressive. Um, that's that is a real time demo that you could that you could walk around in and stuff. Um, running UE4 with their advanced lighting characteristics. They had some audio demos there as well to try to kind of increase volume without distorting. It worked fairly well. This is this one was interesting. They did like low light video enhancement, real time 4K. Excuse me, I have a cold 4K video enhancement where this is the uh, a juggler sitting in front of a skyline um, and with standard mode, you enable the low light enhancement and you get only very, very minimal uh increases in brightness in the backdrop uh but obviously you can see things that you couldn't see before like the street he is standing on and the the benches in the foreground and things like that and it the, again this is me taking pictures of tablets that are displaying video so it's not gonna be the best quality uh but the demo in person was was pretty impressive uh and also i got the snapdragon cookie which is which was pretty nice it was, <laughs> it was pretty good it you was, get all the good things yeah i ate that cookie real good real good and now you got to clear your cookie store that's true. That's They're true. tracking you. Yeah. You. Oh, damn it. I probably swallowed a chip or something, didn't I? Did yep. you tell them, uh, could you please uh, put all the cookies that I take pictures of together? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Please yeah. categorize it. There was one result, though. <laughs> and my guess is, my guess is, it wouldn't be able to know that was a cookie. That would be my <laughs> guess. Um, so that's kind of like the Snapdragon 820. Like I said, we don't have benchmark results yet. Uh, we, we should get some time with reference designs relatively soon, I'm told. We don't have devices yet. Uh, but it, otherwise, I mean, it looks like it could be an impressive collection of technology. My biggest concern for them, and I've voiced this to them many times, is like this: all these features are great. The problem is not every vendor, and probably not very many vendors at all, will actually integrate all of this type of stuff into a single product. That's really where uh, their hands are tied and the partner ecosystem that they have and and all that stuff that they have to deal with. They need to work with these people as opposed to they can't force them, demand them to do things. Although I told them Intel does that all the time, and they seem to be pretty successful with it. Um, (laughs) So with other companies like MediaTek and Rockchip kind of coming in and making these big inroads into into new markets with SOC technology, uh, Qualcomm is dependent on software and features and not just kind of like, hey, we have fast benchmarks to prove to people that they have the best product. Anybody have any thoughts on 820 as it stands? Sebastian, you wrote a couple of pieces for us on that. Well, I think it's interesting that they've gone to quad-core again, but I, I think the implementation of Big Little was not the huge performance boost maybe that they were expecting the way that it ran within the thermal envelope. Right. And then with carrier aggregation, I don't know, like, depending on where you live, if you're ever going to get anywhere near the speeds that it is capable of. Agreed. From a network, uh, like a cell network. However, the improved wireless is always a good thing, and MU-MIMO routers are starting to take off a little bit. There are a few on the market now. So it was cool to see the improvements in in the wireless technology, and I'll just I'll have to wait and see how the phone performs as far as you know, speed versus thermals and, right. and that sort of thing. But the the DSP stuff is cool. I, I mean, I, I I still have yet to see that amazing Android camera, so this can only help. Right. Agreed. I'll be curious to see what they do. 
like I said, I think we'll have some time with some reference hardware relatively soon to do some uh, performance evaluation and see where that actually stacks up against the Apples and the the Samsungs of the world and even the Snapdragons 810. So you know, I, I think that going off on <clears throat> what Sebastian said, that uh, you know, the whole big little thing, and then having a ton of like the A7s. Didn't somebody have like a eight? A7s in a single chip and um, is anybody there? Yeah, no, I am. <laughs> um, the yeah, so I mean, I mean that's why that's why they went to quad. Like they they were they were easy. They wanted to defend their decision to go to quad core because well, of and the I think that that's devices. a good decision because I mean one, it's the the big little. It switches off, but it. I don't think it's really worth the complexity. And you look at like Apple, and they had like a dual core implementation and it ran perfectly fine with their product and and what is the a9 is it a quad now uh wait wait what the cortex a9 no the apple a9 oh 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 they're both dual they're both dual core yeah yeah i mean how much how many cores do you really need a smartphone i mean it's not like you're really video and plus any kind of video stuff you're going to do you're going to have a dsp doing all that work anywhere because it's it's we could use a DSP on Josh. Apparently. We could use a DSP on yeah. Josh. Apparently, um, he's frozen mid sneeze. It is the worst. It is the worst to be frozen mid sneeze. Um, but he, but he's right. And like they they had a discussion with us about why they went dual core or quad core. But it's actually two sets of two, two higher performance cores, two um, lower performance cores. You know, probably kind of adopting some of the methodology of what ARM Big Little does. Uh, but with their own custom uh, CPU architecture. So we'll know more about that soon. Uh, I, they need a successful product, right? They kind of they lost Samsung on the high end in terms of SOC customers. Uh, and uh, they they need some they need a part that's going to get people inter- back and interested in it. And it's an interesting thing for them because they've never really had to, um, I don't know, market themselves in this type of way, right? Where the, the Qualcomm has just been the dominant force in the mobile market for anything except apple forever well, uh, sam samsung is big but they've still got motorola they've got htc they're going to have um lg so there's still plenty of players out there plus the entire android tablet market that they can be strong in anything that's not right. samsung branded yeah yep all right uh what else we got uh i posted a quick preview a video perspective if you will uh, see if we can get Josh back eventually one day. Um, <laughs> of the Lenovo Yoga 900, I have it here in my hand. This is a two-in-one convertible Ultrabook laptop. I don't know. What, there's so many things that I don't think they use. Too the word, thin, too shiny. They don't use Ultrabook name anymore, right? I don't. Know. I don't think so. I think it's two-in-one or convertible. It's a yoga device. <laughs> so uh, this is the successor to the Yoga 3 Pro. Uh, and now yoga is its own brand. It's not an idea pad, uh, device anymore. It's just yoga and they're going with different model numbers. They got yoga, everything now they got yoga, everything for sure. So this is the yoga 900. It's Skylake based. It has a uh, 13 inch screen. It is a, what did I say? 3,200 by 1800 resolution. Yeah. 3,200 by 1800 resolution touchscreen. Um, it starts at just 1099. 
And that is with a Core i7 variant. It's dual-core hyper-threaded still, but it is the Core i7 higher-performance variant, 8 gigs of memory, and a 256-gig NVMe SSD for $1,099. Um, that's actually pretty impressive. Um, it's available in orange, gold, or silver. I have the silver version here. And obviously the idea of Yoga is that you can use it as a clamshell. You can use it as uh, a folded tablet. And then you can use it in the media mode, or as I call it. I don't know what they actually call this mode where it's sitting like that. Um, the screen is really it's really sharp. Uh, it comes came out of the box defaulted to 250% scaling, I think. Which we determined made it a 720p effective yeah. real estate screen. What? Which is really dumb. Um, so, 200. We set it to 200 percent, which I think sets it to 16 by 9, 1600 by 900 uh, effective real estate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did you lose any sharpness when you did that? Not really. Like, I mean, you're still you still have twice. You have four pixels for every pixel. I think we gained sharpness. <laughs> yeah, you might have. Yeah. Um, and I really I like the way the screen looks, and, it, and it's that's kind of like the right resolution for for a thirteen inch screen in my book. Um, so ten ninety nine starting out, and the, and you can max it out by getting sixteen gigs of memory and a five hundred twelve gig SSD, and it's twelve ninety nine. Uh, so it's you know paying hundred bucks for each of those upgrades, which is reasonable at the very least. Uh, even better, the battery life on this was like nine hours in our Wi Fi test, mm-hmm. which is. Multiple hours higher than the Yoga 3 Pro. I think maybe three and a half hours longer than the Yoga 3 Pro was. Um, it's a little bit thicker. It's a little bit heavier than Yoga 3 Pro. Uh, remember, the Yoga 3 Pro was the one that went backwards. It was thinner and lighter, but it was lower performance and lower battery life than the Yoga 2 Pro because they went with the Core M variant of, uh, of the processor uh, of Broadwell, that's why the performance was low, and they uh, wanted to make it thinner and lighter, so they reduced the battery enough that the battery life was essentially even or a little bit lower than the previous design. They kind of they took the feedback. They said, "Okay, we jacked that up. We won't do that this time." I mean, this is plenty thin. It's plenty light uh, for a full performance laptop. I, I really do like it a lot. I'm, I'm still I'm still kind of making a decision on the keyboard and trackpad. It's not the traditional uh, Lenovo keyboard that I'm used to. Um, and, and the trackpad seems fine. But the keyboard, I'm still a little bit wish, uh, washy, wishy-washy on. Undecided on. Let's put that. Undecided. Um, Ken, you saw this when you were over in the Chinas. Yeah. Uh, any feedback? I mean, it still has that watch band hinge too, which is Mm-hmm. Fine, like it's it. Looks yeah, I mean fine. it's it's the same industrial design as yeah. the Yoga Three, just a little thicker. I I'm disappointed there isn't a 1080p display option, and that's why I told them when they're asking for feedback. Yeah, I don't really care about the 3200 by 1800 display when I have to scale it anyways. You know, what, what, give me because, a 1080p and save some battery life. Right, that's because with the XPS 13, the the higher res version versus the 1080p version. Like the battery life difference was two hours. Mm-hmm. Like it was not like oh forty minutes. So it was a significant proportion of the total system power draw. So I wonder if that would be the case here too. If they had a 1080p version, we could get you know eleven hours or something out of it instead of nine. Uh, and that to me would be an easy thing to trade in for. Yeah, I, don't I mean, really I mean, literally, I did the exact same thing because I, I have the XPS 13 with the 1080p. I just don't see an advantage of the high resolution display. I mean, there is some, right, if the software takes advantage of it, and Windows 10 is obviously better at it than anything in the past. I mean, like, Apple released the iPad Pro today that has a 2700 by by 2, 
by 2100 resolution display on a 12 inch dis- screen. Yeah, right? but that's so, on a closed operating system where everything has to honor scaling. Correct. Properly. And so. There's not 10 years of Win32 apps that right. just won't and will never be updated that you might yeah. want to use. I mean, DOS prompts look great, though. No, they. DOS, <laughs> DOS prompts don't. Something's on the, on the volumizing here. Yeah. Josh, are you back with us? Yeah, maybe. Uh, okay, there we go. Yeah, you're back with sound. us. Yeah. Every time we disconnect you and then reconnect you, everybody's volume needs to be readjusted, and it's kind of annoying for Ken. I'm really sorry, Ken. Yeah. How could you? Make your it wasn't internet. my fault. There I was, just sitting talking about quad cores and dual cores. And then your internet got crappy. Your router got jealous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you're interested in this, we're going to have a review of it. I have a preview and we have a video perspective. You want to see it in kind of an action showing the different connections and stuff like that. It's got a USB 3.1 port on it, so that's kind of nice. Which might be Thunderbolt in the future. They told me it was Thunderbolt. Yeah, well, they told Ken, when was that, June? Yeah. It was in June. They told Ken it was Thunderbolt. Fun, funny thing. And he showed Thunderbolt him Thunderbolt 3 existed. Yeah, like, they said, oh, it's Thunderbolt, and there was no Thunderbolt port on it. And he was like, um, they, he said, I'm pretty sure they screwed that up. That's not Thunderbolt. <laughs> it turns out they were just kind of, like, breaking NDAs, and they didn't really know or didn't care, <laughs> one or the other. Um so, an interesting device, and again, considering I have the Surface Pro 4, the Surface Book here, as well as the new XPS 13 in route, or XPS 15 in route, maybe both, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all compares. It's like everyone's trying to get laptops out before the holiday buying season. Weird. Yeah. It's so, it's so weird. You know what else is weird, everybody? Sleeping. Sleeping's weird. But it doesn't have to be weird. It's like the little death. But did you wake up from? In theory. Well, that's I mean, why it's. There's little. always a, a risk that you won't. Mm. You know, there's a risk every time you go outside. You might slip and fall. But if you do that's slip why and I fall, stay in my basement all the time. <laughs> that's why I stay huddled <laughs> by these cases and stuff. One of those cases could fall over right now, on you, live while we're streaming. Hopefully put the camera at him. Ken, put the camera at him. Hopefully, it's one of the aluminum. Is ones. it? Is it? Uh, uh, look behind you. Okay. No, that looks safe. That looks safe. Yeah. Um, I don't know where this is. The segue is really going, but we do want to mention that today's episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you in part by Casper. Casper Mattress uh, is an obsessively engineered mattress at a very fair price. It combines two technologies, latex and memory foam, uh, for better nights and brighter days, uh, regardless of whether or not you sleep in a basement. Uh, it's a comfortable mattress that has just the right amount of sink and bounce. Uh, it provides long-lasting comfort and support. I have a Casper mattress. Uh, I sleep on it. It is very comfortable, uh, and I've used this example many times about we, we got it right before we had a baby, when sleep becomes much more important, every minute, every hour, every second of it becomes valuable to you, right, Sebastian? Every, every minute. <laughs> All of the minutes are very important. I, there were times in the hospital where even two minutes would have been so amazing. Yeah, like when you're on a kid. A uncomfortable little couch. When you're a kid and you don't want to go to school and you want five more minutes, you're just being a whiny-ass kid. When you have a kid <laughs> and you want that five more minutes, you need that five minutes. And then it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt, obviously, if that five minutes is is the best sleep you can get in a, in a five-minute span. Uh, and that's where Casper Mattress comes in. You can buy it online. It's completely risk-free. You can actually try sleeping on a Casper Mattress um, for a 100-day period. Um, you're going to spend a third of your life in bed on a mattress. So you want it to be one that you're going to love. They let you they, – they understand that. They let you sleep on it for a 100 days uh, or nights, your choice. 
depending on what your work schedule is. And if you don't like it, they take it back and they don't charge you. They come pick it up. Uh, and you do really, they inspect stains? Uh, you know I what? Say, I do they use a black light? I didn't really get into that part. <laughs> I, you know, that's between you and Casper, I guess, in the mattress company, not the ghost. Maybe the ghost too. I don't really know. Um, yeah, whatever you do in your bedroom. Uh, Casper mattresses are made in the U.S. of A. They ship to you in a box that kind of like uh, expands into a into a full size ass mattress. Like a king size mattress was shipped to me in a box by UPS, and it was pretty funny just to open it up and see it expand out into uh, a a not. A, I was going to say a living breathing thing, but that's not what it was. It's completely not what it was. It was just a stationary, uh, uh, soft, comfortable. Mattress. So you can get a, ma- a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. Uh, comparing that to industry averages, it's an outstanding price point. You can save an additional $50 as one of our audience members by going to casper.com slash PCPer and using the promo code PCPer. That's casper.com slash PCPer and using promo code PCPer. And we thank them for their support of the PC Perspective podcast. So now that we've all been rested, we're all calm after our naps. Uh, let's talk about some rumors. Sebastian, what is this about a new video card I've heard about? Yeah, the new 380X Radeon. Um, supposedly, I don't remember actually what the name. It's a Tonga-based card, but they've changed it. Was it Antigua? It, yeah, Antigua. Oh, and Lord. so it, comparing it to the 280X, this has a lower shader count. But same shader count. Is it the same shader count as the 280X? Yep, 2048. Or is this 1792? Wait, no, the well, 1792 no, was the 285. I'm getting confused. So the original Tonga was... You, I'll let you take this over, Josh. Because the original Tonga was 1792, right? On the 285? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, we always knew that Tonga was a cut-down chip. And so it, it didn't run as fast as people expected. It didn't have a 384-bit bus... It didn't have the full complement of shaders. But it seems like we're finally, after damn near, what, a year and two months? After the release of the original Tonga, maybe a little bit longer, that we're getting the 380X. Now, this, of course, is not official, but uh, it certainly seems like um, we're finally going to get the fully unlocked, well, sort of fully unlocked, (laughs) Tonga, which is renamed... Antigua, again, like you said, it's got 2048 uh, shader processors. It runs on a 256-bit bus. And this is something that's kind of interesting because a year ago, uh, who's the Scott? GPU guy at AMD? Robert? No. Antal. Bigger. Raja. Raja. Raja Kuchari. He Chris. went to Japan. Stop it, Raja. Okay. He went to Japan, <laughs> and he showed this really interesting diagram of what a full Tonga is, and it had a 384-bit bus. So you'd you know see it in iterations of 3 gigabyte and 6 gigabyte if we were expecting them out um, how we had expected them. Right. But uh, this one's got a 256-bit bus. And I'm kind of wondering if it's a cost-cutting measure as well as power-saving because memory buses do take up a little bit more power. Uh, you have you have the non-power of – well, I mean you do have kind of power too. But um, instead of you know 2 and 4 gig, you got 3 and 6 gig. 
and when you're looking at price points, you know, a two hundred dollar car, two hundred fifty with six gigs of memory, I think a lot of people uh, and manufacturers will probably shy away from that. Two and four is a little bit easier to swallow. So we're going to see this here pretty soon, within a month or so. Uh, the original two eighty, as you remember, it did have a three hundred eighty four bit bus, but it was the first generation of uh, the. Uh, GCN architecture, and so it doesn't have all the nice little things like true audio and and the X uh, the the DMI connection and all the power saving functions that uh, Tango and now Antigua are able to bring to the table. So it's nice that uh, I mean there was a huge gap in between the 370 and then 390 that just oh, wasn't yeah. being exploited. Sure, we had the 380 at about 189. And uh, now we're finally going to have the 280X, which will have better performance, higher clock speed, faster memory, and uh, it's not going to rob the bank when it comes to power. But it'll be a nice product, it sounds like, in that 200 to $250 range. Right. Uh, I, think it'll, I think it could be interesting. Does it seem late to introduce a card like this, though? Yes. It oh, needed very. to be a while ago. I do like if this if this industrial design is there, if that's accurate. Like it looks basically like the Furies, like know, the, the plastic Fury. X. Yeah, but it, I'm yeah. sure it'll be cheaper. It looks okay. It looks yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, up next, Global Foundry is achieving 14 nanometer FinFET coming to new AMD products. Look at that! Look at that! Is that? Look at those wafers! Look at those wafers! Just one thin little waffle. Yeah, the joke got cut off by your bad internet again, didn't it? Sure. It's, it happens. So what's going on here? What are we looking at? Global Foundries licensed 14 nanometer LPE and LPP from Samsung. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's this got to do with AMD? Well, finally, uh, you know, AMD's got a lot of uh, contracts with Global Foundries, and they're are certain things that they have to do to be able to keep Global Foundries producing wafers. And and when you've got a company that's tied to them that produces dyes, mm-hmm. well, I mean, they produce designs, and then they hand them off to, uh, to the foundry guys, it certainly helps keep the foundry guys alive and, and making some money. And so AMD finally announced it with Global Foundries that they have 14 nanometer uh, products that will be the uh, what LP and LPP low power and low power plus that will be coming out in 2016. They didn't really tell you when, but it certainly is not going to be this year. Uh, Global Foundry has had some issues getting 14 nanometer up, as compared to Samsung. Samsung has been pushing it out for quite a while, but you know they've they've converted Fab8 over to be able to produce these. They've got uh, risk production and uh, you know the initial ramp going up throughout the rest of this year. But I would imagine it's about 24 weeks, 20 to 24 weeks, I think, to probably process a wafer. So you're looking five to six months before from from when the wafer starts to when you get finished package product. Uh, so that's kind of the timeline you're, you're potentially looking at. And then you got to figure out that these guys have got to build up uh, some... some uh, inventory before they release it 
So, yeah, it's going to be a while before we see these, but it's a positive thing because AMD has been stuck at 32 nanometer or 28 nanometer for a long, long time while Intel has gone from 32 to 22 to 14 in that time. And, of course, we could go on ad nauseum comparing and contrasting yeah. Intel's 14 nanometer with Samsung, but that's kind of pointless because, you know, you're going to design for the process and optimize for whatever you're going for. But what is important here is that AMD is finally getting closer to where Intel is, and they can offer lower power products. They can they can pack more transistors in and still keep power under control while being able to improve performance a lot. So these are all very, very positive things. It's keeping both companies happy and alive. And we'll see in 2016 what uh, what comes of it. Super exciting. I did hear a rumor that maybe Qualcomm was going to use Samsung for their foundry first and then maybe go to split production between that and uh, uh, this iteration from um, Glofo. Does that seem like reasonable since they're licensed technologies? Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be essentially kind of copy-paste of, of process technology. I mean, there's going to be some work involved, and there's going to be differences because they've got different machinery and uh, the way everything's set up. It's it's not going to be an exact duplicate, not like what Intel used to do where they develop a process at a certain foundry and then just do copy exact. I mean, the machinery in, in these fabs cost millions and billions of dollars i'm not gonna go carl sagan here it was tempting but uh yeah, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to shoehorn some of the technology into machinery and and pieces of of the line that are not identical and once they get those things running and working then it's going to be fine and, and mostly similar but there's going to be a learning curve and we've certainly seen that because Global Foundries, even though that they had licensed this a while ago and have tried to implement it, it took them, took them a good six to eight months longer, if not a year, than uh, where Samsung was. And that's kind of to be expected. I mean, Samsung did a lot of the, the heavy lifting, and certainly Global Foundries uh, provided money to, to help this process along since they're going to license it. Um, but it's good to finally see that Global Foundry has a cutting-edge process that they can actually sell to more people than just AMD. Yep, agreed. Um, listen, we got a couple of things here from NVIDIA on the list. One, hey, remember when we talked about the potential that we saw some issues with uh, NVIDIA GPUs on G-Sync monitors when you were running it? higher refresh rates than 120 hertz you suddenly saw increased clock speeds and thus increased power increased power consumption uh so we passed that information on nvidia we said hey wtf mate and um it came back to us with a statement saying okay yeah actually totally yeah our bad that was that's our fault that's our fault dog uh, you were right um they checked on the observations with the newest monitors. You were right. The new monitor exposed a bug in the way our GPU was managing clocks for G-Sync at very high refresh rates. As a result of your findings, we are fixing the bug, which will lower the operating point of our GPUs back to the same power level for other displays. We'll have this fixed in an upcoming driver. Now, what they didn't tell us is why this occurred. Uh, I'm not totally surprised they wouldn't tell us why that had happened, um, but I am very curious still. Um, I think our hypothesis that it was a clock issue, like a, a clock um, uh, 
domain issue uh, where the the pixel clock and uh, the GPU clock needed they were tied together in some degree and it needed to be increased as they went to a high refresh rate is probably not correct now um, because we could hook up a different 144 hertz monitor that was not a G-Sync display and we would not see the increased power consumption. So uh, we're still trying to figure out exactly what the technical reasoning is behind it. But the benefit here is that as this graph shows, what the goal will be is in our new driver, when we go from 120 hertz to 144 hertz, we would expect not to see an idle power consumption jump on the system and the GPU from 76 to 133 uh, watts there. So... uh, that's it. That's, I don't have the new driver yet. I haven't tested it yet. But sometimes sometimes you can make good on things. Sometimes. What was your bounty for finding the bug? Uh, jack all. Mm, like they didn't, sucks. they didn't give us nothing. Sucks. Just get a nice leather jacket. <laughs> I should that not should get be NVIDIA's <laughs> bug bounty. <laughs> I should get a leather did, jacket. Did you at least get a cookie? Uh, no, no. Only I only got a Qualcomm cookie this this uh. week. No NVIDIA cookies. I don't know if I've ever had. I bet in the 15 year career of this, I have had an Nvidia logo cookie at some point. I think I barely remember one. Yes, they sent cookies for Christmas like two they, years ago. They I did. No, I don't know what Asus they had on did. Them. Asus did because like they were like they were iced. They looked like motherboards oh, yeah. and stuff. Uh, and I felt guilty eating them, but I ate them anyway because they looked so pretty. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, Nvidia sent a jar with candy canes in it. Wasn't there like a sh- an, a shield cake or something or oh, a they shield? Did, they cookie? did like overnight a cake for Portal on Shield. Yeah, and you, you were out of town, and they overnighted you a package you didn't know about, and we thought it was something interesting, so you sent me to your house, and it was a cake. Yeah, it was a <laughs> surprise. It, it turns out it was a cake. <laughs> I didn't even get a piece. It was good. <laughs> it was. It was good. Sorry, Ken. was the cake. A lie. To me, it was. Ken, yeah. <laughs> to Ken? To the people in control, it's not a lie. To the people who are participating, it was. I mean, it's just, it just it sounds like, it sounds like real life. Uh, also from NVIDIA, they released a driver. Uh, Jeremy, what is new about this driver? 358.91. Why do we care? Well, please first provide your email address so that I can talk to you about this driver. My email address is noop at <laughs> yep.com. Oh, verified. Uh, so this is a brand new one that uh, follows what they're doing lately, which is every time you get a major release come out, you get a new driver. So this one's specifically for the, the two games that just dropped, uh, Fallout 4 and Legacy of the Void, and the one that they let us play with for a little bit and then took away, which is Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah, damn. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't offer SLI support for the new Fallout, but you know that they're working on that. So I was informed that it may be a developer side bug that is preventing multi GPU from working, um, but nobody will say officially yeah. when. And apparently, there's some people that have screwed around with profiles and such, which have actually managed to sort of get it to work. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. a post on it on the front page. It, it links to a, uh, an article from Kyle that uh, has a couple of the workarounds. By the way, just to point out, you can download this driver without giving him your email address. Still, this oh. is a Wickle driver. This is a Wickle driver. Uh, and also, even their game-ready drivers, they said they won't start instituting that policy until December. So, I don't... Anyway. So, download it now. Yeah, so download it now, 358.91. I have yet... I, I, I added Fallout 4 to my Steam library, but I have not installed it yet. I just had so much... I have so much crap going on the rest of this week, I don't want to install it yet. Because I'll want to play it. But then, next Tuesday... 
this coming Tuesday is the Battlefront release, right? Yeah. We're going to be gone on Tuesday. Who's got that, time for games? It really sucks for you. I don't know. <laughs> it does suck. I was gonna. I was planning on having this like Star Wars Battlefront day. Maybe we'll do that like Wednesday. If only you had a laptop on with a desktop GPU in it. Yeah, no. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be with my wife uh, in Chicago on. You Tuesday. have headphones. <laughs> I do have headphones. I do have headphones. I guess I could take my Logitech G933 wireless headphones. And be like, hey, go to sleep. I'm gonna play some Battlefront. Don't don't mind this fan noise. Wow. <laughs> It's white noise to help you relax. Yes, exactly. I'm sure the baby <laughs> will love it, too. perfect. It's the heat of a thousand suns. Has anybody played Fallout 4 yet on this podcast? No. No. I, I, no. Are you going to? No. Uh, once they consolidate all the DLC and fix the bugs in the Game of the Year oh, edition. Oh, the bugs are the fun part. You're such a... For a PC gamer, you should be whine about shit a lot. You know that? Like, <laughs> well, that's, no, that's I just what you're supposed so to be in other for. games that I'm enjoying the bugs in right now. Oh, like, okay. It was in Steam Library. My favorites list goes off the screen at this point. <laughs> shit, I've got to get through some of these. Yeah, that's true. i, I got to pick and choose my battles. Fallout's just too much of a time commitment. I, from what I heard, I was listening to uh, the Giant Beast cast today, and they said... I think it was on that one. Maybe it was in the podcast. They said they completed it in like 38 hours. Yeah, I don't have that. With some, but it's pretty low for a Bethesda yeah. game, is what I was yeah. trying to indicate. But well, that's like main quest. If you screw around, they did a little bit of side like, stuff. Never, but yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that's what it's about. The last, the, the last time I was able to play it, like uh, when I played Skyrim through, I had a laptop like this, hmm, and I took it home. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> and I hooked it up to my TV and I played it with like a mouse and a keyboard on my. Uh, when I had one of those. Oh, the Couchmaster. No, oh, I, it was I, Proto Couchmaster. And this was when I had the... Medical tray table. The medical tray table, <laughs> yes. Oh. Th- that I put in my living room. With, with I, detachable kidney dish? I took the... No, it was detachable wheels that I took the wheels off and I glued those furniture movers to the bottom of so it would slide <laughs> around on the carpet real nice. Um, Did it include a bedpan? Yeah, that was a kidney tray. Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess. you. Uh, and then... My wife eventually said, "You cannot have a a, a medical <laughs> device supply tray in my living room anymore." And I said, "Okay." Whoa! And, and that was killed. Backing down quickly. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's you gotta know which battles to fight. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I haven't learned that yet. <laughs> did we? Did Did Sebastian move to the moon? Yeah. Yeah. You look. Are you He's com- coming hey, to Apollo us from 19. Are you okay down there? Apollo Why are you thirteen being redirected through Canada. So I think there must be a trunk that's getting jacked. In between me and Sebastian, it's bad news. I'm My guessing somebody free. is probably streaming some sort of 4K Netflix <laughs> or something right now. Upstairs. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, well. Uh, that's okay. the router and start blocking IPs. Yeah. I should have set up uh, quality of service, but I didn't have time. Man, I thought you said you had this basement studio rocking. I lied. I mean, I had set it up. <laughs> I, I put like I can't like uh, lighting and I. I didn't know box. we had the capability to do AM radio call-ins. It's interesting. That's Does right. It sound like that too. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you oh, sound like you look for you sure. Know, I sound the same to me. <laughs> Sebastian, Weird. you need to say repeat after me. Ready? I'm ready. Don't do this. Hey, coach. <laughs> hey, coach. See? Hey, hey, coach. Uh, hey, coach. I- I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> That's what you got to hey, do. I-, I, got- I got a couple things. I- I'm a long time. <laughs> long time, first time. <laughs> first of all, long time listener, first time caller. 
Um, I, I'm confused right now about a couple points <laughs> that I'd like some clarification on. Clarification. Yeah, that's that's yeah. pretty good. And so, uh, anyway, since you're on the AM radio, let's talk to you about the ASUS ROG Maximus Eight Extreme Assembly. What? It, so it's Extreme slash Assembly. Well, the Extreme already exists. It's a five hundred dollar motherboard, <laughs> and this assembly apparently is their nomenclature for bundle uh, of expensive what? stuff. Like what? It does not include the uh, video card pictured in the first photo Damn. there. Damn. That's a separate launch. That's right. their new Matrix. Right. Featuring their new color, color scheme. But this, this version of the Maximus Extreme includes a 10 gigabit Ethernet card. Boy, you could and use that. Yeah, you could that. really use that, Sebastian. That's true. And does it have a sound crystallizer? <laughs> Uh, uh, and it also includes an external headphone amplifier, huh. which this thing has already a, a very high-end DAC built into the motherboard, so then you're just adding a higher-end headphone amp. So I it didn't specify pricing. I can't believe this thing will be less than like $700, maybe 800 because the cheapest 10-gig E card I could find yeah. was 240 bucks on Amazon. And, you know, an external headphone amplifier runs you another $50, $80. So we'll see what they release it at. But huh. definitely it's high, high end. Oh, yeah. It looks good. It, like, I, I, you know, I remember the day when we first got gigabit Ethernet on motherboards. And everybody thought, well, what a waste of time. Like, who's <laughs> going to have gigabit networking in their house? Like, what do you need to move Across a network, you're doing four megabit data streams anyway, like for your 480p video. It's just great. Um, in this office, I have often said, man, it would be great if we had a 10 gig network internally to share files. Once, move, once move. benchmarks went above 500 to 1 gig and above oh, yeah. in size, then you know, bringing that crap over to a, a new computer is... Or back of a Fallout 3, which is, what, 20 gigs? Right. Well, I mean, like, so if, like, for us, when we do our video capture, we're capturing, like, a 60-second <laughs> portion of a benchmark with our, you know, uh, uh, native video capturing. It's like we can do as much as 65 gigabytes in a single file. Yeah. Right? And so what we have to do is before we can even move that data off the system, we have to transcode it locally because trying to move a 65-gig file across the network to transcode on a much more powerful system somewhere else is like that. T it takes longer to move it over the network than it does to transcode it and then move the transcoded we, file. We've got two 10 core or two, two dual 10 core Xeon machines. However, we have to cap or we have to transcode on the 3770 K capture machine. Right. So we have, <laughs> we have 80 threads of available <laughs> compute power between Ken's machine and the machine that we stream from. But instead we do our, the majority of our transcoding work on a quad core hyper threaded uh, Ivy Bridge, no, has no Ivy Hyper Bridge, Bridge processor because a 65 gig file is just impossible to move on a single gigabit, like one gigabit network. So if we had 10, it may make more sense to like, okay, rather than waiting for all transcode to move it when we need to free up space, move it all, 
let it handle the transcode and we could immediately go back to work. So seeing, you know, we're not going to buy this motherboard for that specific purpose because that's way overkill for the process, uh, for the purpose of what we're using it for. But 10 gigi is like what we want <laughs> to have, right? Actually, even the fact that you said you found a, a 10 gigi card for $240 tells me that I might do that anyway. Like even if I connect one connection between that machine and this machine. 10 gigi crossover. Yeah, like do a yeah. 10 gigi crossover to move that data across, um, and 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 do some of that too. But I, I just love I love to see this in these systems. And then they also showed a 980 the Matrix 980 Ti, um, with some insane clock speeds, like up to 1317 on the GPU uh, out of the box, which is uh, pretty impressive. No pricing or availability on this, Sebastian. I know it's shocking. A product announcement without a release date and without pricing information. It's it. It pisses me off how many times it's like, this is the first question we're going to ask. So what's the answer? And they go, oh, we don't really know yet. Like, okay, Even awesome. worse is this is the second time they've announced these products. They announced them at IFA in <laughs> September, too. They've been getting pretty good at that. Yeah. It's like, hey, this is coming, guys. And then a month later, two months later, guys, it really it's coming. And here's more of the specs. Here's even more pictures. And still, we, we wait. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move through these last ones a little bit quicker here. We've got uh, a report of an unreleased AMD Bristol Ridge SoC listed online. Sebastian or Josh, anybody know anything about this? It was Wasn't a the uh, leak from... of a guy that put it on his LinkedIn as a project or something he was working on? Yeah. This one, I think, came via USB.org. Like some, oh. Yeah, something similar. They were, they were, it's a project they were assigned to, and that was the controller for the USB 3.1 I believe. Huh. So it's it's a mobile SOC, and this is a BGA, so it's not going to be a desktop part. However, Bristol Ridge, I think, was... It's slated for the beginning of next year. They, they don't know any real details, it, it, but sure. the actual model number that was listed at USB.org was a mobile part for laptops. It was their like P series. So this could end up being just a rebrand. Unfortunately, it might still have excavator cores. Kind of sounds like it. I yeah. think you know WCCF Tech reported it was also going to be a 95-watt product. But if you know anything about the excavator cores and the design uh, that they did with Carrizo, pumping that up to 95 watts is going to be a really, really tough thing to do because you saw those curves that... that um, in between 15 and 25 watts, it had much better performance per clock and per watt than previous AMD mobile stuff. But once you started getting up to about that 35 watt, things started to even out because, I mean, the design was, was aimed for low power. And the process is, is just an HK metal gate, 28 nanometer uh, line. The combination of, of the high-density libraries, the overall design, the, the power efficiency, it just is not going to scale up to 95 watts. I don't see how that's going to be able to do that. So it's going to be interesting to see next year what AMD is able to do on the desktop side in the APUs before Zen comes out. Now, maybe I could be wrong. They could have a redesign of the excavator cores that uh, do not implement the high-density libraries, but rather are aimed more for a higher clock speed, but still have the greater IPC and a little bit better power efficiency 
and uh, using another generation of 28 nanometer uh, high performance, they could possibly do it. But with Zen coming up, how much do you want to spend on getting something out like this instead of really pushing for Zen-based APUs? Right. I don't know. I, I don't have the answers. I haven't heard anything concrete enough to be able to say anything more than what I have now. Now, now? Now, now. Meow. Not then, now. Now, now. Uh, Josh, near, meow. something else Josh is interested in is Thrustmaster. Thrustmaster. So this is an interesting thing. They're now offering a servo base as a standalone product. Uh, I will say uh, this photo looks less than useful on its own. It's like it's like you look at that and you think, I'm sorry, Dave. Yes, yes, exactly. With that. the one red light Except, in the bottom left-hand corner. Yeah. yeah. What am I but, supposed uh, to stick into where? <laughs> you don't want to know. Docking bay. Yeah. Docking. So what are we looking um, at, Josh? What is this? Okay. So previously with a lot of different uh, uh, wheels, you get the base, you get the steering wheel, and you get the pedals. And Fanatec, for many, many years, has just been offering a mix and match type of thing. You can get a base, you can get a different type of pedals, you can get a different steering wheel. Thrustmaster has been able to, uh, with the T300, T500, and the TX series of base, you can swap out the, the wheels. And finally, they're, they're offering uh, the single versions of just the bases themselves. So you could use like the T3PA uh, pedals or the T3PA Pros or just the uh, T2PA pedals. Uh, or, you know, they have, I think now, four or five different uh, wheels that you can buy that you can then attach to these servo bases. So instead of just offering products and then saying, hey, we've got this other wheel you can buy for an extra 170 bucks, uh, and you're just going to essentially throw out the old wheel and not going to use it, you can now just get the servo and mix and match the accessories you want with that product. The T300 you can, you is can a, a pretty solid unit. What? You can have a polygamous relationship with your base. Yes. You can share wheels. Yeah. And, and hopefully won't transmit anything. Yeah, just use sterile wheels. Yes. Yes, always <laughs> wipe your wheel after use. Exactly. Uh, so, yes, yeah, 250 bucks. It's not a bad deal. It's a high-quality base. Uh, it's a little bit uh, stronger and... Uh, better than the TX that I had uh, reviewed a couple of weeks ago and much nicer than the T150 that I reviewed last week. So uh, if you're kind of looking into racing and want to uh, maximize your racing potential with different uh, accessories, that is a really good starting point. So does the base come with like the two pedal set or is that added on? No, it's just the base. So how cheap can you get out of this? Is it, it just adding, taking the T300 and the two pedals and the basic wheel set less or more than the like 458 kit that you got? Any idea? It's probably, no, it's probably more, If you were right? to do the very basic T300 kit, which is the two pedal wheel and then kind of the basic wheel that comes with that, it's, it's going to be the same price hmm. as the T300 uh, 
RS, I think it's called, which has the, the pedals and the wheel in there. So you're not losing anything or, or gaining anything or getting a better deal. What you're getting is say, hey, you know, I, I don't want the, the wheel that comes with it. I yeah. want that nice five ninety nine double X Alcantara leather wrapped thing. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I want to save some money instead of having to buy a wheel that I'm not going to use. I'm just going to throw aside while yeah. I put this other one on. And now you could probably find someone's old wheel on eBay and add it to this base and maybe end up a little cheaper. Most people likely have spare wheels lying around. Yeah. Huh. Cool. All right. Nothing uh, amazing, but nice flexibility. Uh, one thing Scott added in here, wanted to make sure we talked about Logic Supplies Fanless Perfectron, which is a PC uh, that is a, it's a rugged PC. It's a $6,000 PC. This is what it looks like. But it'll work in 70 degrees Celsius ambient temperature. PC does what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this should be on the PC does what commercials. Yeah. So this is uh, – so as, he, as Scott writes, to put that in perspective, NVIDIA controls their overclocks to maintain an 80 degrees Celsius on the GPU, which is generally speaking in a system with about a 30 degrees Celsius internal temperature. These systems are ready to operate at 70 degrees Celsius, which is 158 degrees Fahrenheit ambient. 20, 20 degrees Celsius hotter than, my, than his CPU peaks at load with a Corsair H100i on it. Um, and you could probably shoot this thing and it wouldn't care. <laughs> uh, the Perfectron SR700 is $13,793. It can operate it up to 75C. Um, Diminishing returns, that last 5C will really cost you. <laughs> but it's the last 5C that will really kill you <laughs> yeah. if you don't have it, right? I mean, so let me, let me click through here. I want to see what this is. So this is a, it's a Haswell processor. In here, works from minus forty C up to positive seventy five C, waterproof obviously. Connectors on it ships in five to seven weeks. Um, let's look at our tech specs here. Do do do. Core i seven forty seven hundred EQ, Haswell quad core. Very very kind of like basic specifications for things. Oh, right? Eight gigs of RAM. Eight gigs of RAM. Sixty four gig SSD. Uh, 60 gigabit per second SATA interface. Um, where did I shove in the GTX 980? Yeah, where does the where does the video card go? That's a good question. Here's some CPU thermal performance numbers. <laughs> right, so there you go. It works. So at 85C, the CPU was still scaled at 1.5. Right. So notice, like you know, yeah, at 80C, you're looking at 1.5 gigahertz, but it'll keep it. <laughs> the there. fact that it's still running is impressive. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. what is even eighty C warm? The sun. You'd be dying. I can't even. <laughs> the the sun. It's the sun. In I'm case sure. you got a government contract, yeah. there you go. And you yeah. want a thirteen thousand dollar computer to sell. <laughs> yeah. All right. If you're going to be covering FIFA in Dubai, <laughs> this is what you want. <laughs> uh, we'll finish up our news with ASUS uh, offering up a budget Skylake board with the B150 chipset, which is really not anything we had seen up till this point. The B150 Pro Gaming D3 motherboard, as Tim wrote up for us. Uh, it is a B150 chipset, so it's a cheaper alternative than the Z170, but it still offers a lot of interesting features, right? So, uh, wait, is this DDR3? 
don't know. This is a departure from most of the Skylake motherboards that launched this year using DDR4. Because hmm. yep. I know that the platform did support both. Yeah, now we got to get one of these. Yeah, I think we do need to get one of these. For storage, this motherboard has six SATA, uh, six SATA 6 gigabit per second ports, a single M.2 slot, uh, albeit limited to two lanes of PCI Express. Um, Look at that PCI slot. Perfect for my sound card. It has P, uh, two PS2 ports, an HDMI, a VGA, four USB 3, two USB 3.1, one Type-A, one Type-C, a gigabit Ethernet. So it still has a surprising amount of features. Yep. It's got like a nice DAC and headphone yeah. amp. Yeah. The kicker yeah. is the motherboard only adds eight lanes for PCIe. Oh. Huh. That's the B part. Okay. Okay, sure. If you got a single GPU, though, that doesn't matter, right? Yeah. No pricing on this, though? Damn it. I know MSI's B150 board is like 120 I think. Yeah, I'd be shocked if it was anywhere more expensive than that. And you don't have to buy DDR4? All right, I'll ask him about it. JJ, if you're listening, <laughs> send me that board. Thank you. Moving on. Uh, so I, I think the B150 is going to be like, when we get into, I think that'll be perfect for this holiday season. It's like, hey, you want to build a budget gaming system? Let's get, we got the Core i3-6100. Yeah. Skylake oh, yeah, processor. I ordered one of those. 6300. Six, a little higher, clocked. Is there a 6300? Yeah. I don't yeah. see that. I don't remember Anyway, so I bought a 6100. It's like $120. Get a motherboard like this. DDR3 memory is fairly cheap. $30 cooler. $30 cooler. The, what is it? The Cooler Master Hyper 212. It's been around for <laughs> 100 years. Yep. Uh, I think we have a new like, I, budget Samsung 850 Evo. Yeah, I, I put the link of the 6300 in there. Hmm. In where? Uh... It's sure. hip chat as place well as on that machine. IRC. Gotcha. Understood. It's right. almost 160 bucks. Jeez. Okay, so I saved $40 by getting the one I got. So. You sure did. All right. Uh, let's get into our hardware software picks of the week. Mine is – so this is – it's not really a recommendation. I'm not going to tell you to buy it yet, but I thought it was interesting, and I happened to have it handy, so I thought I'd pick it. This is the Basis Peak. This is – uh, they call it the Ultimate Fitness and Sleep Tracker. It's a smartwatch that does your notifications, iOS and Android support, text calls, emails, all that type of stuff. Uh, it's a little bit bigger, a little bit bulkier than maybe you're used to. Well, it's not super tall. It's just a little bit wide. If you look at the picture here on Amazon, you can see what I'm talking about. It's, uh, it's not a color screen. It's not fancy in those ways, but it does have extended battery life. Uh, it will do things like uh, do fitness tracking, heart rate, uh, your steps, count calories uh, during exercise. It'll keep track of your sleep, uh, light sleep, REM sleep, resting heart rate, and obviously it'll do the notification side of things. This is the one we have here. It's a special edition IDF edition. This is uh, everybody who attended IDF in August of this year was promised to get one of these. Totally forgot about it. Totally spaced. Uh, and like something showed up from Intel, and I thought it was something very different than what it turned out to be. And I opened it, I was like, oh yeah, no, I totally forgot about that. So uh, I'm actually going to open it up, try it this week. Uh, I'm curious to see how uh, how I like it compared to the Pebble Time I'm using now. Um, I know that neither of them will do what I want them to do with the iPhone 6s like the Android Wear watches did with Android. Um, and I still haven't been willing to bite the bullet and try out a, uh, uh, an Apple Watch either. So this is, it's not cheap though. This is $172 on, uh, on Amazon. 
for the matte black finish that's also available in silver for $160. It's got replaceable bands. Uh, apparently, the heart rate sensor is supposed to be more accurate than other smart watches out there. And I'll, we'll play around with that and see because I did not have good luck with the heart rate sensors on the, the Samsung devices for sure. So, uh, Basis Peak, it's been around for a while. It's not a brand new thing. I think it's been around since maybe even like a, a full year, maybe longer, this version of it. Um, where does it, does it, doesn't Amazon tell you that? I don't know. Release date? No, I don't think they do. First date available, September 30th, 2014. I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Battery life, four days. So that's kind of like one of the selling points for this particular device. Uh, Who's up next? What do you got? Jeremy? Oh, well, as much as you complain about the SSD prices down there, it's even worse up here in Canada. But the 850 Evo is on special on Newegg right now uh, at a price you don't usually see up here north of the border. Ah. 450 bucks for one terabyte is not too bad if you want an MSATA or two and a half, if mm. you don't have an MSATA board. If you're a little bit richer than I am, the uh, two terabyte is even better deal once you screw around with their stupid uh, website. Okay. So I recently found uh, that the Canadian dollar is gone down tremendously over the last couple of years. Oh, hells dollar. yeah. Like 75 <laughs> cents to a dollar. But that means, like, I pay you in American dollars. You've been getting raises every time. Yeah, but I went through two years when your economy was crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <this is> <laughs> shit. Uh, I looked that up. The only reason I know that is because there was something that was maybe being sold in Canadian dollars, and I was like, wow, if I can get them to import that for me, that's 25% off the top. Uh, it didn't work out. Um, just adjust Jeremy's, uh, you know, compensation, and you'll have that extra. You're right. You're right. I should have had him go buy it, and then, yep. uh, you know, convert it over. I don't know if that's how that works, really. I would never do such a that, thing. That'd be bootlegging. Customs right. it would be bootlegging. Wink, <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, Josh, what do you got? What do I have? I don't know. So you know, if you decided to purchase Fallout Four, say and, I did. Uh, play it. Okay. On perhaps an older machine. <clears throat> this kind of is the minimal processor that you need to use. Forty-six ninety K. That will keep you above 50 frames per second uh, through most things without any horrific dips, unlike like the, what, 95, 90, 95, 90, 95, 70? Yeah, that AMD, was weird. That jumped down to 13 frames per second. Mm. Yeah, this never went down that, that far. So it's kind of uh, sad. Uh, uh, a friend of mine who's a big AMD guy, he's he's finally looking at Intel because he bought Fallout 4 and uh, is it that CPU dependent? Apparently yes. Really? Wow. And it's very threaded. And even at high resolutions. Yeah Hmm. Yeah you've got even bigger um, drops at certain points so yeah you kind of need need some horsepower so you know the CPU guys they, they need to catch up. We haven't had to really upgrade CPUs for quite some time for any game and now well Fallout 4 is here and Intel should be selling Fallout 4 bundles with processors (laughs) yeah yes yes yeah that's a good idea 
All right. Uh, and last but not least, what do you got, Sebastian? Well, last week I talked about Speed Curious, so I'll just real quick talk about a digital audio player. Um, I, had, I, had, I had one of these in 1999. It was the, uh, uh, the Rio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and this is the Fio. Oh, see? Yeah, there we go. It fits. They had a digital player. It was their first one called the X3 a couple years ago, or maybe it was a year ago. I don't know. And this is the second generation. They totally redesigned it to look like an old iPod. But if you can get past the horrendous industrial design, what it has is for 200 bucks, it is a DAP, a DAP, that natively plays DSD and every other format. And it has, if you look through the specs, the Sirius Logic um, converter chip that's in it is a reference quality chip, the CS4398. You'll find it in digital analog converters and SACD players that are $1,000 and up. So that combined with the fact that it has separate um, clocks for the 44.1 and 48 kilohertz um, signals and their uh, multiple the the multiples of that, it, it's something. Basically, this is the kind of stuff I'd expect in like an eight hundred nine hundred dollar digital audio player, like the Astell and Kern or the Calyx M. I don't even know what you're saying. But is it a nightmare to use? <laughs> Does it hold up to the Pono? I, you know what? I I have a digital audio player that I bought. A it's called year an or iPhone. And well, the iPhone goes up to forty four one sixteen bit. So if you are somebody who's invested at all in twenty four bit files like Studio Master quality music, yeah, which isn't that expensive. Like if, on on sales, you can go to like HG Tracks or something and buy an, an album in studio like 24 bit 96 kilohertz for about 12 bucks you know 14 bucks the same price as you used to buy a cd for doesn't it make more sense to add a dac onto a device i'd actually want to use and use than to use a separate device you could but consider uh you know like you just want to hook it up to i don't know like you have just a standard amplifier nothing with a a high-end dac in it and you wanted to listen to high-end audio files without having to run like some sort of a music server or invest in a separate digital analog converter, just getting a, D- a DA converter that did DSD uh, until recently meant spending at least a grand. So hmm. this is kind of interesting. Like I, you spend $200 and it's got uh, you know line output via the headphone jack. You can use a splitter cable, go to a, an amplifier and actually listen to music in your living room in any file format that exists. Yeah, but I and- set this in my living room. How do I control it? With the little, you know, click wheel on the front of it. Doesn't have a remote? No, of course not. But it's $200. (laughs) It's, you know, I I haven't used it. I don't own one of these. I was just looking and I'm like... It does seem like a really good deal for what it is. For for a native DSD. Like, if you look at one of the budget um, DAPs from a high-end brand like Astle & Kern, those start a lot higher than this for the one that will do DSD and all the other formats. And... The, the one that I have was at the time one of the less, was the least expensive that did all the formats, including DSD, was the Calyx M, which has now gone up in price. It sells for $1,100 <laughs> new now. And the Astell and Kern that it was competing with at the time is $2,500. So for me to look at this Jeez. now and see at $199, on paper, it does every single thing that the $2,500 Astell and Kern did, hmm. I'll deal with a, a bad user interface. If I can find the track and play it, that's all that matters. <laughs> You gotta give up something. You have to type it in uh, the tit- the full title of the song by using the scroll wheel, though. It, it, one character at a time. It works right. like yeah, a yeah, rotary yeah. phone. Correct. 
Yes. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Yeah. If you ever watched the old uh, Onion video for the MacBook wheel, that's what yeah. this is. I have no doubt that it is a high-quality product that I have zero capability of appreciating, <laughs> probably. But it does remind me of the Rio. The Rio had a much smaller screen, though. You know, just because you're all about vinyl and buying records all the time doesn't mean that you're this right. is not a great product. You nailed it. You nailed I don't it. Know That's who what you're I'm talking all about. about. It's fine. Star Wars record. I always, I'm, I'm a vinyl person. Get your digital 24 bit crap out of here. If it's not analog, I'm not interested. Because it sounds so warm. Way. It's very annoying. All right, we're going to end this podcast before I get angrier about your poor audio equipment purchasing decisions. Um, thank you everybody for joining us. PCPer.com slash podcast is where you can find all the back episodes, the RSS feeds, the YouTube video links, uh, or you can just go to youtube.com slash PCPer and find, uh, all the goods, uh, out there as well. Um, we do record the show at PCPer.com slash live on Wednesday nights, 10 PM Eastern, 7 PM Pacific, uh, other places, figure out your own, uh, appropriate timestamps for that. Uh, make sure you go to pcpro.com slash subscribe and sign up for that mailing list because uh, the week of Thanksgiving we will have AMD here. And then it uh, looks like the first week of – nope, second week – I don't even know. Second week of December we'll have another live stream as well with prizes and demos and all that type of stuff. So we'll have some interesting stuff coming up here before we get to the end of the year and the mad holiday uh, rush is upon us. Um, so there you go. That's it. We will sign out from now. We will be back next week with more stuff to discuss and chat about. I'm Ryan Shroud. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrus. I'm Sebastian P. Were you, you seemed unsure, Sebastian. I was. You were. You didn't know. Yeah. He's Sebastian. And you're not really on AM radio anymore. That's great. No, I upgraded from dial-up. Bye. I was on the phone with Comcast and I got myself <laughs> hooked up. So I'm impressed that we're going to fly. See you guys. Good night. Good night.